What's up, Fight Fan? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Sunday, June 5th, 2022, and this week's episode, UFC 275 Showdowns in Singapore. We'll obviously be looking forward to this coming Saturday's pay-per-view, but first, we'll go back, we'll recap this past Saturday's event at the Apex at UFC Vegas 56, and we'll talk about the latest in MMA news. Kayla Harrison has her most high-profile opponent to date, and a very critical rematch will be taking place in one championship's debut on Amazon Video. Until then, though, my name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm here with my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Natalie, how are you? Good, Double G. How are you doing? I am good, Natalie Z. (laughs) First show of June. We We are officially in month six of 2022. And I will say... It does feel weird. It felt like like I wasn't paying attention, but it finally happened. You know, like those memes, like, you know, finally getting over 2020. And then it was like, usually it was like the Anthony Mackie, Chris Evans from Captain America. And it's like <laughs> 2021 coming up in like two days. And it's like, you know, it's like a surprise. I can honestly say, you know what? It does feel like we've passed some time. It feels like I've processed it. It feels like, to be honest, the world and society has just turned a corner finally. What about you? It, it did feel like that to me. That's how I felt. And then um, I started getting text messages from friends saying, oh, they're, you know, everyone's getting sick again with COVID and blibbity, blobbity, bloobity. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to pretend. <laughs> I'm just going to like move. I don't want to it's like, didn't it's that, like you were going to put the clothes. It, it, it's like hypothetically, you were going to put the COVID clothes away and now you realize that the season isn't over kind of deal. Yeah. And so, and so yes, the, it does feel like the world is going back. We're turning the corner, as you put it. You go and outside, it, people are happy. They're walking around. But it's like still lurking. It's shadows. just like, it's you like know what? It's like, you know? It feels like time is actually moving at a better pace than before. It's not just like Groundhog Day a little bit. You know what I mean? That's true. At least to me. But anyway, um, first show of June. And you know what? We've got a pay-per-view to talk about. We've got some fights to talk about. Let's get it started. Alexander Volkov versus Jerzinho Rosenstrike was the main event last night. Um, I, For one, I really thought this fight was going to go a lot longer. And for a minute there, it looked like we were going to be in for a, a slow burn. Like it was going to actually, to be fair, they were still kind of revving up before things kind of went down the way they did. But quite bluntly, very apparent, more so than usual, but the height advantage for Volkov. Trade in low kicks early, and it looked like both of them were just like, okay, I want to... You know you got to have high volume because you know the style of the opponent, but then at the same time you got the feeling that there was probably going to be a lot more of the chess match going on. Jarzinho gets going, and then Volkov just cracks him with that straight shot. First off, I don't know, and I'll toss it to you in a second. I could have sworn, like, on the replay, Jarzinho actually kind of, like, not, like, rolled his ankle, but he slipped. His footing was not secure right before that. So it was almost like he was out of position Eats a solid right hand at the end of the day. He's in trouble. Then Volkov lands the other one. Then sends the mouthpiece, the mouthpiece flying. This now visually looks like two times that 
Jarzinho's legs buckle. He kind of turtles up a little bit. Volkov doesn't let up. Referee uh, Herb Dean comes in and stops the fight. First off, did you see a slip? Or did you feel like it? Or did that part, was I maybe just, do I really just need to examine the tape? Well, listen, I'm blind as a bat, so it could very well be that uh, I missed it. So I'll say I did not see a slip, but sometimes, you know, things just go past my my uh, my poor eyesight. I did rewatch that moment though a few times, and so as you're saying that there was a slip, I'm thinking, how did I how did I miss that? Um, so I'll, I'll have to go back and check. Didn't see it on the on the uh, initial first couple of of playbacks. But yeah, that right hand was something else. And what was cool about it is that Volkov was standing there. He was looking for it. You could see he had his hand, his right hand rearing to go. He was just watching Rosenstrike and perfectly timed the moment. Uh, yeah, then finished him off with a series of right hand, left hands, sent the mouthpiece flying. When that happens, no matter what, as a fan, you get really nervous. And that's kind of one of those moments where it, it doesn't sound funny, but it makes me think of probably how men feel when someone gets a low blow. This is something I think we can all relate to when you're thinking like, oh my God, please don't knock his teeth out, right? There's no mouth guard. You could break your jaw more easily. And so I'm already panicking, worrying about that. Um, Herb Dean stops it. I'm sure we'll get into you know the, the feelings about the timing on that. But I'll just tell you now, I had no issue with it. It you know, watching those replays over and over again, it made perfect sense. The mouthpiece is gone. He's completely covering his face, turning away, down on the ground, almost as if trying to run away. You know, not run away, but get away. Uh, there was no reason to let that fight continue going, in my opinion. So it's kind of like one of those things, like even if you recover quickly, et cetera, et cetera, when you face plant, mm-hmm. that to me is always the one where, um, and, and I will say, like, as you're talking, I, I have the tape going. Before his legs get buckled the first time, his feet are out of position as he's moving along mm-hmm. the fence. Um, so, it, like I said, it, it's just one of those things. He was not hurt before the first shot that kind of, you know, made him a station, made him the deer in the headlights against the fence there. Yeah. But we said, okay, if you face plant, you cannot expect people to say that was a, um, you know, uh, just early stoppage, bad stoppage. Mm-hmm. When your legs buckle twice and your mouthpiece goes flying as a heavyweight. Yeah. Uh, you know what? It's just hard for me to say that. I will say, though, was Jarzinho out? No. Did he recover well as he was moving away? Yes. I saw clear eyes. I saw a guy's legs, you know, feet under him pretty solidly. But once again, it's like, does that happen if Herb Dean doesn't slow down Volkov? I don't know. But I will say that the optics, there were enough optics there that I can't say bad stoppage. You know, was he out? No. Is it one of those moments, though? It's like, look, you you also got to know, you know this game. You know they're there to protect you. You can't always expect that they're going to let you take some damage, even when you're tough, even when you're like a tie to Ivasa, Mark Hunt, Derek Lewis. You can't always rely on that. When it looks bad, you got to get out of there and you can't. Anytime you turtle up against the fence, it's just not a good look. So 
like I said, was Jorginho all the way out? No, but there were enough uh, indicators that I can't say bad stoppage. Yeah, exactly. Um, look, uh, Jorginho, what I will say is I, I, he's now like alternated the wins and losses. I think there's now... Uh, yeah, I want to say he actually hasn't fought since he lost to Curtis Blades last year. So this is now a two-fight skid. Once again, he's fighting top five guys. He's fighting, you know... Curtis Blades, he could easily be fighting for the heavyweight title next. Cyril Gaon did fight for the UFC heavyweight title. You know, he's not fighting scrubs, is my point. Uh-huh. So I, I think that, you know, not cause for panic if you're Jorginho and just get back on the horse. And unfortunately, it played out the way it's going to play, the way it played out. For Volkov, this was huge because he's kind of that guy. It's like, for one, I. I think this is he's had seven main events i want to say this is only his second or third victory in a main event wow yeah and so look what i take what i mean by that is that he's kind of had these moments to shine and they haven't all gone his way and look cyril gone tom aspinall recently so it's you know he's kind of needed it but now he's got it you know he did get verdum I apologize, and he did get over him, so this should be number three. There's another win in there. I apologize, guys. It's just been one of those Sundays. But the fact is, you know, he really needed to stop the bleeding and get a high-profile win. He got it here. And so now, when I look at the division, I mean, everyone that makes sense is booked. That To be quite honest, I think you just kind of got to wait. If you're uh, Volkov, um, you just like, for example, Chris Dawkins, I think would be a step backward in particular for Volkov. Ty is booked, Cyril's booked, Aspinall's booked, Blades is booked. We are all taking that to assume that both Jones and Stipe are booked. So um, Ngannou is obviously on the fence. I say if you're Volkov, this is now two fights for 2022. Uh, let's plan for a December return. Let's plan for a late uh, return this winter because I think that the right matchup is there for him, especially at heavyweight. It's just the dance partner is probably not available right now. Yeah, that makes sense. Enjoy your summer and then see you, see you around Christmas time. Yeah, because uh, looking at the uh, top 10, the only one that seems to be free is below him in the rankings. Doesn't make sense. So yeah, you know, hopefully he's uh, he's interested in a break. But look, he 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 appeared to to me yesterday so like the best I've ever seen him. I have seen him in a long time. In his previous fight, he was really good too. But his striking looked good. His physique was good. He's confident. I mean, I really like what I was watching yesterday. So I'm hoping that. Um, he is able to get a good opponent at the end of the year, if that's what it turns out to be. Um, there's plenty of, of, of opportunities there of, of good opponents, um, but what you don't want is for him to be sitting on the on the sidelines for you know into next year because he's looking really good right now. No, I, I agree with you. Like I said, just plan for that late return, three fights in a year. That's a solid schedule. And you know what? Stay ready. You never know. One of these guys ends up needing a backup. Um, you know, Cyril, Curtis, Ty, uh, any of them. So be ready if that's the plan. But 
I'd say this December we'll have another one for Volkov. Um, like I said, it wasn't the deepest card. That's not to say there wasn't some fun stuff. Obviously, Ode Osborne got a big finish. Uh, Karine Silva, UFC debut. Lucas Almeida, I believe, UFC debut. So, it was one of those, it's a good night to be a rookie in the UFC. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I do. Uh, so, here's the one I'll highlight. So, Alonzo Menafield got the victory. But I think the real story coming out of it is this guy, Asker Mozarov. Did you see the headlines about this guy this week? No, sir, I did not. Okay, so Askar had his media day because he's on the main card. And first off, I believe there were some people who had pictures. First off, they suspected that he was uh, getting away with um, a bit of the juice before coming to the UFC. Ah. Those are allegedly, that is the internet being the internet. So I want to confirm that. But the reason why that becomes suspicious looking is because he comes in, he had like a 25 and I want to say it was like 25 and 4, no more than like 25 and 7. But the fact is he had a pretty decent looking record. Like it was like, okay, we got a contender. It's like pretty good. And then it gets brought up and he admits there's a couple of inconsistencies with his topology and his sure dog and his record of fights. Hmm. And some of them were that they were semi-pro fights. So he had fights that just didn't get recorded correctly. Mm-hmm. He also admitted that he changed his name um, oh. to match his uh, father, stepfather, I forget. Yeah. And so that led, you know, it kind of creates two records. It's once again inconsistent. Yeah. But the fact is, this guy started off the week at like 25 and 4. So it's like, oh, this guy's pretty good. Yeah. Come fight night, his official record is 19 and 12. Oh, wow. <laughs> what happened? And, uh, you know, uh, what I heard is that a lot of emails were sent to the the right people saying, yeah, uh, we saw a lot more L's. <laughs> oh, and no. to me, it's like, it's not just the fact that more L's got added. It's that the wins got taken away. <laughs> Because that makes me think, like, wait, so are those fake fights then? Like, okay, I understand, okay, like, you don't want your losses recorded, but the wins? Like, what? And, you know, Menafield said he took that personally, but uh, your reaction? Because this is one of those things just doesn't happen very often. I've never heard of such a thing, such a, such a situation, um, like, in the UFC, right? Like, I can imagine that would be... Just, you know, in general, you know. It has to happen in the yeah, lower red. it has red- to happen. Uh, but wouldn't have figured that it happened here. And just reminds us how much faith we put into Tapology and SureDog. Like, I, it's to me, it's like, you know, Wikipedia, right? If it's in Wikipedia, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's probably true. Uh, when I look at a record on Tapology, I'm like, yeah, okay. Like, I just assume that whoever's doing it is, you know, doing their due diligence and so where does what I'm wondering is what's the link, the break in the in the in the in the link that causes typology and Sherdog to get the bad information? Um, are they getting information from fighters themselves or are they just looking at promotions and adding results as every fight goes on? I'm not really sure now. Now I have to question how do they get their information? So very interesting, but I'm also impressed that it got corrected so quickly you gotta god bless the uh the internet for that 
Yeah, I mean, as I look at this, like, my whole thing was like, okay, you know, I like the people at Topology. They make life a lot easier for a lot of us who work in the business. Uh-huh. Nobody's perfect, right? That's true. With the millions of fighters, it feels like, in the world, <laughs> one of them was going to make, <laughs> one of them was going <laughs> to slip through the cracks eventually. <laughs> but I was just like... How does it, like, this guy became a worse fighter by the hour. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, um, uh, like, and did he think that his record was at? Like, how much did he, you know, look, you're fighting. Do you, How much track are you keeping? How good of a track are you keeping of your wins and your losses? Well. You know how many losses you, know you had. Right, Come on. <laughs> you, you know you how know. many those didn't go like, your way. Like, if you saw that, if, you, if, you, if you're this guy, you see it on typology, you're like, oh. I got a bank error in my favor, right? right? It's like, come on, bro. You knew that was cap. <laughs> As the kids would say, right? Yeah, I like that. Uh, Menifield says, this guy's a weirdo. He's a chump. <laughs> it's, look, That's questions hilarious. abound, but um, yeah. th that was a Saturday in UFC. Um, once again, uh, obviously, we'll end the show. We'll be talking very soon about Singapore and the triple header over there. But first, some MMA news. This one dropping earlier this week, and I'm not going to lie, it would have been more exciting about a month ago. So Kayla Harrison has her next fight for the regular season, and it's against former Bellator champion Julia Budd. And so, obviously, when Julia joined the PFL uh, late last year, everyone almost immediately penciled this in. This is next year's final. This could be PFL's per first pay-per-view. They're going to load it up. You're going to have uh, Kayla, Julia, Ray Cooper's there, Pettis is there, Rory's there, Verdum is there. Get some free agents, get Pettis, you know, all this other stuff. We're going to make this card bananas. And then it's just as the months have gone on, it is clear that that is not the case. And really, I think the one that kind of took the shine off of the fight is the fact that Julia did lose her first round match to Jenna Fabian, who, not for nothing, missed weight. So Julia actually en enters the fight with more points than Jenna. Because Jenna's at zero, Julia still gets three, even though she took the L. But the fact is now it's like, well... If you were hyped to see the girl who was going to finally test Kayla, I will say that Julia, by on paper, doesn't look like it like she did in December. What are your thoughts? Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's just MMA, man. Like, you know, there's nothing like... It's almost you put too much pressure on a, on a hyped-up fight. I mean, Khabib, Ferguson, that's like the most extreme example this isn't close to that, but it's in the same, you know, world. When you're talking about PFL, like we said last week, Kayla Harrison's the star. So all eyes are going to be on her and negotiate, negotiating for the best um, opponents for her is always news, Cyborg, Julia Budd. Like there's only a few that are worthy or big enough names to move the needle when it comes to scheduling a, a matchup with Kayla. So yeah, it's a it's a disappointment for sure um, that Julia Budd isn't going to come into the matchup you know on the same 
level, right? Coming from being a Bellator champion to versus the PFL champion, you know, with the with the records intact. So it's a bummer, but I think let's not make a huge deal out of it if I'm the PFL. Um, I was just going to keep playing up Julia Budd's record at Bellator, her, her legacy that she made there. And if I'm Kayla Harrison, I'm still thinking Julia Budd is one of the tougher opponents I'll be facing in the PFL. So I'm going to give her those props too if I'm Kayla. Look, we've seen big names not do well in the PFL in their debuts. And I don't know if that's a shock to their system because it's different from the promotion they came from or if the competition is tougher than they expected. But it seems to be a trend. And I think it'll work itself out like it did with Pettis and Roy McDonald. Now, for them, it was not until the next season. But for Julia Budd, I'm hoping that at the very least when she faces Kayla Harrison, that she steps up her game and we can see a really you know, proper match between the two of them. Yeah, I mean, to me, the biggest thing about this is that Julia is still Julia, like you said. I think that the biggest thing about this is that Julia's experience. And I know people like to get on the PFL for the lack of depth in the women's division in particular, um, for good reason. Mm -hmm. A lot of these contenders have felt like bantamweights that, you know, just kind of hit the buffet and didn't have to cut weight. I completely get that. That being said, Jenna, when you see her next to Kayla, next to Julia, this is a legit lightweight too. You know, this girl okay. is tall. This girl is muscular. So I think the big thing, yes, she did miss weight. But she made it against Kayla. And I want to say I don't remember her missing weight last season. But my point of that is that Julia now... It's like you can't really knock Julia too much for that one if she was just fighting a much bigger girl. That being said, it's the girl that Kayla just handled pretty easily. Julia, I don't expect this fight to break the bank like it probably did six months ago or would have. So, But what I do expect is that Julia, of any of the fighters that Kayla has faced, knows exactly how to prepare for a woman like Kayla. More importantly has the resources. You know what you got to do. Sprawl and brawl. You have the experience to execute it. More, You are more... You enter the fight more capable than I've given pretty much all 13 of Kayla's previous opponents. Yes. I want this to materialize in a competitive fight. The wrestling, once again, of Kayla is what it is. The judo, the ground game. So you always know that's right there in the back pocket. But I'd be lying if I said I don't just want to finally see a good scrap for Kayla, make her work for it a lot, and see what we get. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I think it's going to be a good one there. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, PFL is doing a lot of different stuff. So we're just figuring it more out as it all goes along. By the way, so uh, I want to ask you this, because when I saw this, I almost fell off my couch. So you remember the last main event, Ray Cooper falls to Carlos Leal, who is Challenger Series and all that, right? Yes. Did you know that Carlos is only an alternate for the tournament? You mean, even though he beat Ray Cooper, he's still an alternate? Yep. Which yeah. unless, which means unless someone gets hurt, I don't, um, I think that... 
Carlos isn't able to just break in. Like, if Ray Cooper gets a first-round knockout and everyone else gets more points, Carlos isn't in the running. Wow. That seems really unfair. I saw that. I almost fell off my... I had to, like, type in to figure out whether or not that was true. And it was. And I was... I mean, I'm going to just say this. I am disappointed. I feel like quite bluntly, and I know you're trying to give these men and women fresh fights. But if someone's in the tournament, you've got to fight someone else who's in the tournament. Just plain and simple. That, that that's just, just how seems... tournaments work, man. Like, that's just it. And they, I, I do believe the understanding is, let's say Carlos just mercs somebody and just, you know, he most likely will get a playoff spot somehow, right? But I just was like... I was a little, I mean, how do you react when you hear something like that? That's just dumb. I mean, it's like, well, you have this unique, unique to current um, MMA promotions, right? This unique um, structure, this tournament structure, and it's what makes you different. It's with a million dollar prize. Like it's how you're standing out, how's your, how you're, how you're standing out from the crowd. And so there are like basic tournament rules, like in no matter what sport. And if you beat the guy in front of you, you move on. That's it. So this is silly. And, you know, there's already a lot we have to learn when you watch PFL. Even if you've been watching since the beginning, like you still have to reset your brain. I do anyway to like, okay, we're in the tournament mode. There's a point thing, all that stuff. And so when you start throwing kinks in something that's already, you know, um, newish to the MMA brain, it just makes, makes how do I say this? It makes you like want to pay a little bit less attention. It's like, okay, wait, this isn't fair. Are you just making up rules as you go along? Like, what's the story here? It starts making you question everything. So I understand why you're about to fall off your chair because it's just, a, you know, I thought it was just a straight up tournament and it should be that way. Yeah, uh, and I think that this lends itself to the idea that Kayla was talking about is that like she wants the freedom to just, pick the most marquee matchup available outside of just the million dollars right so it's Mm -hmm. like i completely get that and it's like if you're ray cooper i completely understand wanting a bit of the same you're trying to get fresh blood in here but at the same time it's like uh now look at the pickle that you've kind of put yourself in because now it's like well you know not everyone gets the love that mr clay collard does right uh-huh. So it's just like, it is what it is. It's just not a good look in my opinion, but I feel like PFL did it specifically because they're trying to create fresh matchups. They don't have, they have a deceptively shallow roster. It feels like more people than it actually is every season. Yeah. But, and I think that's why they just respectfully for all they put into it, they don't have just as many people comparatively on under contract so that makes the pay-per-view uh aspect very interesting going into next year but that's going to be we're going to put a pin in the pfl for now the big one one championship has announced for their debut on amazon video i want to make sure i get the date correct it's going to happen on august 26th and it is the rematch between reigning flyweight champion adriana marais and, of course, UFC legend Demetrius Johnson 
One thing to always remember is that one championships flyweight division is actually 135. So with no hydration, they're essentially bantamweights who don't cut weight. If that makes sense. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that being said, obviously Marais been in one a while. He won the title, defended it, got the knockout of DJ, got the, I believe it was, an, it might have been a submission, but he got the finish of Yuya Wakamatsu uh, last uh, at UFC X. Obviously, Demetrius, since losing to Marais, he had that really fun matchup with Rod Tang and the special rules. And quite bluntly, we are expecting a stacked undercard for the debut on Amazon. So first off, thoughts on the fight? Well, yeah, it's a, it's a great matchup. You know, Johnson, uh, my, Johnson, I never call him that. Mighty Mouse gets a chance to um, for redemption here. You know, I don't remember how old he is, and I don't know. He's already been with one for four like years? Like two years, yeah. Oh, two, two, three, two, three years, yeah. <laughs> it's a while, right? Um, and so I don't know what the terms of the contract are, how happy he is, all that stuff. But I'm just looking at him and thinking, okay, we're certainly not at the beginning of the career we're not at the peak of the career but we're still in a, in good shape and this fight the results of this fight is going to tell us a lot about you know where mighty mouse will go next um so i'm just excited to see the rematch you know anytime mighty mouse mighty mile anytime mighty mouse fights in one i get a little nervous because of the even though they have this hydration weight policy you know or I should say because of it, he's always a little bit undersized against his opponents, right? So he's not beating people the way he was in the UFC. Um, and so I'm always just worried about his legacy. Now, he's doing fine, but it's just something that I think about. And considering how he lost to Marais the first time around, um, you know, a lot of eyes are going to be on this. And uh, I'll, 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 be, I'll use that as my segue back to you about uh, uh, the opportunity for more eyeballs to be on this because of the deal that one signed. I think, uh, for one, uh, what I like about the fight, Marais is like a bantamweight Charles Oliveira. Like, he's not deceptively, like, firing out like a cannon. He's really tall, and he's just multifaceted, and he's deceptively powerful. Like, he could hurt you with shots, not just, you know, knees when you're ground quote-unquote grounded in one nah he's a very multifaceted guy uh like i said physical uh advantages at bantamweight and when look you know who dj is you know who the mouse is you know how he got all those ufc title defenses and what i find intriguing is i feel like mouse has the mindset going into this one i saw like the clip with uh ariel hawani after the rot tank fight and Ariel just pretty much asked him, it's like, you know, does it feel, you know, how does it feel to kind of like get the proverbial mojo back? And this is one of those things fighters will just say that it's like, of course, like, are you going to win this fight? Yeah, of course. What am I going to say? No, nah, maybe 50-50. No, of course I'm going to win. And Ariel asks him, do you feel like you got your mojo back? Very convincingly, Demetrius says into the camera, I never lost my mojo. Like, <laughs> yeah. I think that's, uh, you know, something that people were saying, but I never felt like I lost my mojo, to be honest with you. It's just people thought I did. And I was like, I like that energy. Yeah. I like that energy. I never lost the mojo. That's the that's what people keep forgetting. Um, Amazon Video. 
And so we speculated, could they get some love on Showtime, ESPN? I thought they were going to Peacock. I thought they were joining the NBC family and all that. Amazon Video is interesting because they are not quite like... Look, there are lower tier streaming services. I don't want to like bash some of them because I've been reached out to some of them. But you know, not everyone is Netflix, right? Of course, yeah. Amazon is, let's be honest, most people know it for two-day shipping, Uh (laughs) you know, but Prime Video and all that, they're actually doing their part. They've got series and all that. They've got some, they've got some stuff that's worth tuning in for on Amazon Prime Video. And so that does put them a level above, I'll say this, it feels bigger than DAZN. When Bellator was on it, it feels bigger than some of these other services that some of the other smaller leagues have been on. What I will say is that you run into the same thing I feel Amazon does. You, It's one thing to binge television. It's another thing to kind of look for live sports on Prime Video. It, it, it's like... Even um, Bellator said it themselves, it kind of helped when they were on CBS Sports, something like that, or NBC Sports, uh, because they were on a sports network. Uh It kind of just felt like, you know, we were somewhere that could really, that already had an audience tuning in for stuff, and fans knew they could go there. Prime Video, it's kind of like asking your fans to go to a burger joint when you're looking for sushi. (laughs) <laughs> it's like you, you go to get burgers all the time but if you're not used to going there for mma or sports in general it just feels a little different you get what i'm saying i do get what you're saying i'll give you my 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 feelings though initially my reaction is this is amazing because you don't have like most people probably have an amazon prime subscription which really is the shipping the free shipping right and included with that hundred and whatever dollars a year that you have to pay for free shipping, um, you get access to their entire prime video catalog that includes the original content that includes whatever other deals they have with, you know, licensing deals they have. And they have a really cool system uh, interface where you can access your other subscriptions through their platform so that you don't have to leave the Amazon prime video interface to watch HBO max or paramount plus or stars or whatever. And it's easy. They have your credit card. You just click boom, boom, and then you're watching, you know, whatever. They have a good system. And like I said, if you already have a Prime subscription, you don't have to buy a separate subscription to the zone. You don't have to find out how to how to watch it on an app like you used to or, you know, what was it, Bleacher Report? I don't know where they used to be. Yeah. Or TNT. And if you missed it, they, they were on it. the Bleacher Report app, yeah. tape delayed TNT. Exactly. And so that sounds good on paper, but as a consumer, when you're actually trying to find it, if you forget or you missed it, it's not that easy to to retrieve, right, once it's aired initially. This is going to be great. Now, to your point, there are some potential issues. Uh, Amazon is not known for sports, of course, but they do have, I think, still an NFL deal for Thursday Night Football. I think that's them. Please correct me if I'm wrong. I will Which look is, for that. Keep talking. Yeah. Um, yeah please Um, and then what I do honestly if I'm not accessing Amazon Prime through my Roku app on my TV which is very simple if I'm on my computer 
it is for my old brain a little tricky to get to Prime Video. Like I literally have to just Google Prime Video um, and then find the link that'll take me there because it's not so easy to get to Prime Video through just like the main shopping page. So that's where I could see some hurdles for people that are new-ish to Prime or not familiar with, with Prime. So there are concerns, but mostly, mostly I think this is a really good thing because of my main point, which is you don't have to get another subscription, it, you know, assuming yeah. you're already a Prime member, uh, which, you know, I don't know. Are you a Prime member? Uh, so if I'm being quite blunt about it, I'm not, I am, but if I'm being completely honest, I do often wonder if I'm actually getting my money's worth out of my Prime subscription, yeah? That's fair, yeah, because if you're not ordering I'm not, a lot... Exactly, I'm not trying to go crazy, freaking get orders every day, you know? So it's like, well, am I, like, am I really saving enough on all that free shipping, you know what I mean? Uh-huh, I anyway, Um... You bring up a great point, and yeah, like I said, Prime Video, or just Amazon Video, I believe, it's just one of those advantages is that it's a recognizable brand already. It's just getting people to tune in. I don't know, by the way, you were correct, it, Amazon does have Thursday Night Football. Okay. Uh, that I feel like it's still on television, though, so it's not still the exclusive home. Correct. I, Good point. He, here's the one trick to... A successful launch I think more so than let's say this happens like I'll say it like three years ago is that with so much MMA already out there you know this I know this I see it I feel it there are so many events that it is hard to get get the you know rub the sticks together and get the fire really burning for the non non UFC pay-per-view and I think that that's the thing is that, you know, yeah, Demetrius and Marais and you have recognizable names. I'm sure they're going to stack it. I'm sure they're going to try to get their guys and girls to do the rounds in the media and all that. You know, you're talking about coming up on a month where we're going to be coming off back to back pay-per-views in July. It's just it's just so much MMA out there that respectfully, even great MMA is kind of getting lost in the shuffle. Because UFC takes so much air out of the room and there's already so much to watch. And mind you, this, you know, this is people who actually spend a lot of time watching their MMA. Most people catch a main event and they just move on. And they don't even watch all the main events. So to now say that, okay, we're trying, you know, as one jumps from house to house, it, I think that the launch is going to really need a bit of luck and great marketing. Like, I almost need these guys to pull a little, um, you know, Jorge and Colby, just start disliking each other, really just go 100 publicly to get the get the heat going. Because I think that right now it's just so difficult to break through and you feel like this great fight won't get the respect it deserves if you don't do something big. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I will say, though, just from my perspective, like the way that I consume TV, um, I'm excited because it will be easier for me to watch this one going forward. Um, but yeah, the, 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 the bigger point, the overarching, you know, elephant in the room here is that the UFC is like hugely dominant in the, in this space. 
And They're like that rude person that already owns Boardwalk with the hotel on it on Monopoly. <laughs> That's what they're like. Yeah, and like think about how it's just the power of that brand and and the other brands that are so powerful, Disney. You know, like think about how we even a, a fight card uh, that isn't gonna blow your socks off. Like you're probably still more likely to watch a UFC whatever card than you are any other promotions uh, you know fight card that might have better fights you just wouldn't know necessarily so it's just that brand is so strong they monopolized your combat sports uh, you know landscape and I'm glad that one is with a big name with someone who knows how to do streaming in general, though, the Amazon interface kind of like the Amazon controls. It's uh, not my favorite one either. Yeah, forward, fast forward, all that nonsense. Look, this is what I think. Even Disney, I'm going to tell you, even ESPN, everybody just copy Netflix. They do it the best. Just literally like find the code, copy the little algorithm, whatever it is, people, people, and just do that because nobody else does it better than them. And trying to do some kind of different side version of that just this leads to a frustrating experience so yes i'm excited for one to be on amazon um they're up against really really tough competition will they get lost in the shuffle probably um and does amazon have kind of a, a crummy you know rewind fast forward experience playback experience yeah it does <laughs> Hey, that's why they instant replay for you on the broadcast that's right exactly there you go anyway um yeah just uh, I mean, final note, I've brought it up a few times just because it's key. When they finally had Pitbull versus AJ McKee in Bellator, and it was like, oh, this is the fight. This is Bellator's biggest night, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, I, I forget who's the main event, but the fact is it was not a good UFC card, and they still blew him out of the water. Yeah. And it's like, that tells you everything you need to know about the brand power, how important mm-hmm. it is when they go head to head. But anyway, that's for another night. We do have a pay-per-view. There are some good fights. I'm ready to talk about them. Okay. Let's start from the bottom up. Um, okay. The rematch. Zhang Wei Li, Joanna Yo and Jacek. Number two, first fight. It is the classic of all classics. Exciting, high stakes, intriguing characters, uh, Polar opposites, it feels like, when you really break down how they are in the media. And they just went at it. And not only the best UFC women's fight to a lot of people, up there with one of the best fights ever, period. You know, like if Robbie Lawler and Rory McDonald did that, they would have already just retired and enjoyed the Hall of Fame off of that one. You know what I mean? Right, right. That's how much the girls went at it. Um, I talked to you a little bit already. I spoke with Joanna. Uh, if she's faking it, she needs to stop fighting and start acting because she just seems she feels ready to go. She sounds ready. Zhang Wei Li, I think on purpose, she's kind of kept it low key. We haven't seen her do interviews. We haven't seen her hang out with Henry Cejudo and them in Arizona. She's back in Singapore, back in Asia, getting ready for this fight. Um, could they? Is it gonna be round six? Is it gonna be now? Both of them are a little more methodical because they don't want to have to risk having to triumph in another war. I don't know. 
15 minutes, that's a big factor. I've talked enough. Natalie, hit me with it. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, Jan Jacek looks amazing, right? You watch the countdown, you see videos of her. Even in the countdown, they make a point of Dana White saying she's living her best life. She looks beautiful. Her skin is glowing. She has a tan. She has a boyfriend, a beefy, uh, you know, beefcake. She's living. That's a like great a life. very girl thing to bring up. I'm <laughs> sorry. Like... Well, they put it in the countdown. They made a point okay, of showing okay. her with yes, the guy. Yes. Okay. And uh, you know, she's looking good. She's confident. Okay. And then I listened to her interview after the Rose Namajunas Carlos Barza fight on Ariel Helwani's uh, MMA Hour, and she's, you know, she's not dissing the fight itself. She's very diplomatic about it, but she reminds us that we're here to entertain as fighters. We're here to put on a show. That's what people want to see, and that's not something she'll that's lost on her. That's not something that she's going to ever, you know, put aside for a you know a greater good. Like, have you ever seen a boring Joanna and Jacek fight? No. Never. She's always there to, to give it to her opponent and to give it to the fans. So on, on her side, I'm thinking she's raring to go. She's pumped. And like we said, whenever the Rose Esparza fight went down and we, we analyzed it, uh, you know, I was saying, if anyone's in the corner rubbing their hands together with a big smile on their face, it's Joanna and Jacek because she knows if she kissed past Wei Li, it's Carlos Esparza for her. And she's, She's not worried about that fight, right? Let's just say that. From her perspective, I'm saying to you, I doubt she's worried about the Carlos Barza matchup. So Jan Jacek, this could be a big year for her, right? On the other side, Wei Li. You know, did she, do you know, did she train with Cejudo at all? Um, and Eric Albarcin at all this this camp? Because... They got input remotely is what I heard Eric okay. say. He said that just with schedules and everything, he couldn't get over there. She couldn't come over and said, look, they got, they had input. But I will say, Eric, in his interview, he said, I'm not even 100% sure I will be working the corner. I think it's just, you know, it might be her team where she's at. Yeah, exactly. And that's the feeling that you get from, from the, the, you know, the promotional content that's out there now. Is she's once again trying something new. She's in Thailand, and they make a point of saying in the countdown, she's not at, you know, Tiger Muay Thai. She's at a new gym. And so... My first thought is, uh-oh, she's, she's sort of scrambling. She's trying too hard, right? The move to Arizona didn't work. Now she's trying something else. And that, in the past, hasn't resulted in the outcome that the fighter is sort of desperate for, which is, you know, rebuilding and a path back to victory. So that makes me a little bit nervous. I'm not so sure the mental state of Wei Li is. Is it more anxiety? Is it, you know, uh, confidence? I don't know. Whereas Yan Jacek, it's just like, She's just overflowing with like a glow and, and ready to rock and roll. So that's where I'll leave that. And then I'll, I'll toss it back to you. I mean, I clearly need to rewatch the countdown show, you know, it made a big impression on me. I, I noticed <laughs> it's just one of those things. that's like, you're not going to hear DC and RC, you know, it's like, have you seen this gentleman? It's like, Hey, yeah, but no, I mean, no. Hey, hey, you know what? I'm happy it for her. You know difference. what? She's happy. <laughs> exactly. I'm happy for her. I think it's good. I think everyone deserves to have their arm candy. How about that? There you <laughs> go. It's not even that. Okay. Did you ever watch Casino? That movie with uh, uh, Robert De Niro. I have not. I'm not okay, the biggest well, De Niro connoisseur. Sorry. Okay. He's a gambler. Uh, I'm sorry. A bookie. And what makes him so great is that he doesn't just look at the facts that everyone else is looking at. You know, oh, this person. You know, let's say we're looking at football, you know, has this many runs and this many passes, blah, 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 blah. 
he digs deeper and looks at their personal life and uses that to inform his decision for picks uh, for upcoming games and fights and all that stuff. So what I'm getting at is that it's important looking at the whole picture can inform your uh, prediction for the fight. That's all. I want to say I'm very impressed where you pulled that one from. <laughs> uh, like I'm sitting here like, you know what? Like the, the Chicago Fire guy with like the slow clap and he's nodding like, hmm. <laughs> Um, look, I think my biggest thing, the layoff, and I'm going to hit you with some just very blunt numbers. Oh. Joanna hasn't fought in two, uh, two years with some change. It's been five years since she held UFC gold. And that's yeah. not to say that it's impossible. Carla Sparza, pointed, you know, very good example. The thing about it is that when I look at strawweight, it's not just about Zhang Wei Li and it's not just about Carla. You got Rose right there, Marina, Re- Marina Rodriguez right there, uh, Mackenzie Dern right there. Um, you know, if, if Tatiana Suarez comes back, you know, that's a possibility. But the point is that, like, we are so used to Joanna at a certain level that the layoff and all that almost makes me worried. It's like, I'm not saying you don't want it. I'm just saying you have a lot more stuff that it would be a challenge for any fighter. We talk about it with Conor McGregor all the time. When you've had your cake and eaten it too, the way Joanna has, five Mm -hmm. title defenses, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Asking that when you know you could go be happy and go do some other stuff, that's a big ask. And like I said, when I talk to Joanna... She sounds game. I think she's ready to throw hands again, personally. Um, so all of that, I take that into account. Then you talk about Zhang Wei Li. And like I said, I don't know if it's timing or if she does feel like she needed that big change. But the fact is, she's shaking it up again. And going into the last fight, I thought Zhang Wei Li already had a lot of the skills and a lot of the qualities that were going to provide you on a problems. And we saw that. Her physicality her power. She's very well-rounded. I don't think people give her the credit that she's a very multifaceted martial artist on the feet and her ability to get the fights to the ground and do some work. For this fight, I think the biggest key is you know you're expecting round six. I think expect a little bit more methodical. It's still going to be good because they're both very multifaceted, but I expect Zhang Wei Li to go for more takedowns. I expect Joanna to start switching stances earlier. Because when she went, I believe, from the orthodox to the unorthodox it was, that's when she actually started getting the better of Zhang Wei Li. And then the fact that it's a 15-minute fight. I think that, yes, you kind of feel like they're both going to, rather than a marathon, they're just going to do like a straight-up drag and just push, rush out the gate. No, I think they know they don't want to fall into a deficit early Fallen in love with a bit of a throwdown in the middle of the octagon. I expect them to be a little more methodical. Be ready for the fact that they might have to be a little smarter to get this dub. They know what's on the line, especially with the new champion in Carla. Their star power. This very easily could be a title eliminator. Sorry, Marina Rodriguez. I'm going to give it the prediction because we have two more title fights. I am going with Joanna, Just because I always felt like her game actually just more often than not i felt like would provide more problems for jung Wei lee not that it's not competitive not that Wei lee obviously isn't very talented herself but i just think that joanna's ability to keep it on the feet 
and her ability to get out of the way of a lot of damage was always going to be the thing that made the difference. Zhang Li overcame that the first time. Assuming they've used the time since the last fight the way I think they have, I think Joanna is just better equipped to execute a better game plan against Wei Li than vice versa. I agree. Yeah, I mean, what I... Look, first of all, I'm going to go back to a comment you made at the start of this this uh, segment. Yeah, one of the best fights ever. If, you, if you're going to tell a non-MMA fan or someone who's entering the sport as a fan, you're going to tell them Robbie Lawler, Roy McDonald. There's a bunch of other ones, of course. You're going to include Wei Li and uh, Check one. So that's just like the fact that they're fighting again and it doesn't matter, you know, what it doesn't almost doesn't matter how their careers have evolved since that fight. It's just like, bam, we're gonna see something cool and you know it. This isn't one of those where, ah, oh, you know, could be kaba. No, they're gonna get after it. Now, uh, that being said, I think that Whaley still has is the stronger, harder hitter, but Jan Jacek, she's not going out like that, is what I'm gonna say. She's not coming back after this layoff feeling like she is, glowing hard like she is, to lose uh, to Whaley Jane. So she's going to put it all on the line, and she's going to give it her all. I think the only thing she'd probably be worried about is, like, please don't hit me on the forehead because I don't want those giant, you know, uh, what do you call those hematomas on my forehead? Oh, yeah, she starts turning into that bad just, guy from the Hulk. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> and it's just like, ah, oh. you can just feel how, like, you can see how embarrassed she was after that first one she admitted she's like well i was still coming back to earth after being turned into an alien you know I mean, she, she had a sense of humor about it you have to dude because it's 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 um it's a lot it's a, it's a big change like to i would like cover every mirror in my house if i started I'd growing like, like that one of those khabib hats you know because <laughs> the i need to cover this stuff <laughs> It's like, um, dude, it's like, what hap- what's happening to me? I know. Like, how can you, like, no, I've never seen any fighter react like that to, to blows to the head. Like, you'll see one, but, like, it just spreads. Any case, I'm not, I'm not ragging on her. Yeah. Um, no, I, I'm completely with you. It's like, <laughs> you're good. But anyway, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, all that is to say now, uh, Jan Jacek, I think she's going to just, she's just going to outpoint and uh, out, out, like, grit uh, Wei Li Zhang. And she's going to win by decision. I don't think this is going to be a, a knockdown TKO for, for Yan Jacek. Wei Li Zhang, there's a possibility she could do that. But if she hurts Yan Jacek even a little bit, I think Yan Jacek's going to do the right thing. You know, stay smart, stay, get on her bike, as they say, and uh, clear the cobwebs before she gets back in there. She's, I keep going back to, there's just too much on the line right now for her. She's got to win this fight. I think she can handle the pressure that comes with her needing to win this fight because the path to championship contender is so close. Hopefully not, you know, to a point of distraction. Uh, hopefully more in the opposite direction to motivate her to really, really put on a show, get the win, and Carlos Sparza's next. All right, I, I with you. Like I said, see, I would have to cover every mirror because I'd be too afraid to kind of pop it like a balloon to see if that would help me. Oh my you know god, I, I mean? would do that too. I'd be like, cut me, Mick. You know, just just stick a little in there. <laughs> Let's see what happens. <laughs> right. Yeah. Then it's like it slowly shrieks, like, oh, that's all I had to do. That's it. Anyway, um, let's talk about Valentina Shevchenko, Tyler Santos. Uh, what I am almost worried about, but I kind of like at the same time, Valentina 
I think she made a very strategic move, and she's saying, I'm, I'm already looking at the 135 title. I'm, I'm going to go out here. I'm ready. I'm ready to do what I got to do against Tyla, and I, I'm ready to start setting my sights on bigger things. I think that's good because I think that that now gives us a little bit of an inclination rather than just, oh, it's the Valentina show. And respectfully, Tyler Santos is someone I would normally say, you need to add that Caitlin Chukagian, that other top contender. This is life in the Shevchenko era. You kind of get a little, you get there a little quicker through process of elimination. Now, with Shevchenko, obviously you know what you're going to get. High volume, counter-striking, 99.9% of the time, always in the right position with footwork and movement. The real key to it, similar to a lot of the fights, physicality from Tyla. She's tall, she's long, she's younger, got some pop behind her. The big key for Tyla, you just have to make this one a little ugly. You just gotta really commit to a lot of several good habits in there. Attack the legs and good shot selection. Don't try to get into long combinations. Pick your spots to get in and out and do everything early to make Valentina a more stationary target because if Valentina gets going, we know exactly what she's probably going to look to do. Um, use her movement, get in and out, attack the legs, make Tyla feel like she's just not able to get a read on her and isn't able to catch up to her. And then Valentina does what Valentina does. What I like about Tyla, she's at that perfect age where she's got like that youthful like fearlessness and she's got the experience you know she's not just this rookie out there she's a girl who's been in good fights she's a girl who's been here for a minute now she's got all of the tools to pull off an upset you just really got to get after it in this one once again you are fighting valentina we already know it's up to you to change it and i think the one thing about it i think that if if Valentina wasn't as good of a grappler, I would say that this is a really good fight for Tyla just because of the physicality and her tools there. I think that Shevchenko will look to use her grappling and try to set up some takedowns out there. And that's going to be a real big key. But I'll toss it to you. What are your thoughts on the fight and what we might see out there? Well, this is the, no question, the Shevchenko era, right? has been for a while and I think will continue to be so for a while. And yeah, she's. I'm gonna reference the countdown again, so forgive me if you're tired of hearing that. Is one of but... them dating someone beefy too? <laughs> is that what you're about to tell me? Yes, no, 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 no. Uh, but Shevchenko is talking. She was. She was actually talking in a way that I'm not used to hearing her talk. I could just be remembering her wrong, but I'm a big fan. I, I don't think I am. She was talking about Tyla as sort of just another opponent. I'm just gonna go in there, and you know, it's gonna be my fight. Usually she shows respect. She says, oh, you know, I never underestimate anyone. I'm always prepared for the best fighter, blah, blah, blah. This was a little bit different than her usual, you know, pre-fight conversation. So I'm not nervous, but, you know, Jan Jacek's looking two steps ahead, and that makes sense to me. Shevchenko, I feel like, you know, Tyla's, you, you described her perfectly, especially that physique and the power. Tyla's someone that, you know, of her most recent opponents, this has got to be the, the biggest challenge, right? Like, legitimately biggest challenge. So, um, 
looking at Shevchenko and hoping, and well, really, I know she's she's still at the top of her game. She's very smart. She's really good about fighting the right fight in the moment. You know, she doesn't come in with a plan like I'm going to put on a show for fans. Not like Jen Jacek says. And and of course, everyone loves the people who put on fights or shows for fans. But Valentina Shevchenko has been in some sleepers, right? Liz Carmouche, there's a couple other ones where she's totally willing to do to fight however she needs to fight to neutralize her opponent. And if she sees an opportunity to knock them down, to hurt them, to knock to defeat them, she'll take it like the crucifix on Chukagian, like the crucifix on Andrade. But she's not going to rush in there and be like, I'm going to blitz you. And so even if I'm a little nervous about Tyla, I know that Shevchenko is going to read her, take her time to read her opponent and make the adjustments as she needs to. And so all that being said, um, because Tyla has that, that, that ground game, I don't know how much success Shevchenko will have with trying to take her down and do something like a crucifix. I doubt that's going to be possible. But Shevchenko is so sneaky strong that I think she could still have some advantages in the ground game when she does that, like, bear hug takedown. You know, I think she could still successfully do that if she wanted to. But I don't think she'd want to. I think she'd keep it on the ground for as long as she can, see how that goes. Um, and then to get to the point here, I think Shevchenko's still going to win. It's going to be a decision. She's not going to, you know head kick anybody or crucifix anybody. She's going to take her time, do her thing and finish Santos with the judges. Yeah, I agree. I think it's just going to be one of those fights. Um, that, that it, she's just going to work the 25 minutes. Well, yeah. mm, you know what? I actually, as I say that, <laughs> I, I gotta say, I could see another third round sub. I think okay. middle of the fight, I think just the, I like the grappling, that. I think it's going to be a breakdown. It's going to be a breakdown of Santos. Okay. I think, and once again, I think that Santos, I think she's going to be here for a while. I think that she's not, uh, I think that she's going to be one of those contenders who's in the mix for a long time. It's just not her time. Yeah. And you know what? If she proves me wrong, then you know what? I, I think it's, it would be awesome. But I, I think that, I think Valentina's a little t- She's one of those people that when she has a goal, I think that she's just that, you know, metaphorical dog with the bone. She's just got the jaw locked on. And now it's just about shaking it like a shark in, with the seal in the water. Yeah. That's what Shevchenko's looking to do. I think she looks at Amanda. She looks at Pena and says, you know what? I, I want the smoke. Yeah. And it's time. Yeah. Oh, not for nothing. If Valentina wins, seven rubies on her belt, one away from snapping half of the flyweight division out of existence, <laughs> like Thanos. Whoa! Does anyone have seven? No. She, she's neck and neck with Kamaru. Kamaru has tied for six too. Wow! Yeah. I didn't realize he had that many. Yep. Jeepers. I know. Ain't it crazy? Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! Where do we go next? Hmm. Anyway, so. The main event, Glover Tashira against the Samurai Prohashka Jiri of the Czech Republic. Um, I think the biggest thing, and not to get back into the metaphors again like we did last week, but Glover has that Cinderella story, but Jiri has those hammers to just smash the glass belt and strike midnight on the bell, you know what I mean? I think that <laughs> the thing about it for Jiri... 
And if you don't know, this guy's been putting in work for years. And I think there's people who are like, oh man, he got to UFC, started kicking butt like he's Hamzat Chemaev, and he locked in a title shot as a breath of fresh air. This dude, he's beaten Vadim Nemkov, who's champion Bellator. He's beaten some veterans. He's, you know, he, he, both of his fights have been against, uh, yeah, former title challengers in Volkan Uzdemir and Dominic Reyes. This guy, win or lose, I mean, he's kind of like light heavyweight Gaethje, just very exciting. He's been in trouble, yes, but he keeps getting out of it and keeps getting dubs. So I think that that's really lends itself to his appeal. I think his personality and all that, is he going to have the samurai, the the handle coming out of his the back of his head again? I don't know. I'm very interested to see what he looks like when he gets on the embeddeds this week. My point of that is that this guy makes for exciting television. He fits the mold of that, that young blood. Like, ah, oh, he's young, he's fast, he's explosive. And then you got Glover, just like, you know, he's, I feel like everyone knows a guy like Glover in their life. You know what I mean? Just yeah. old, veteran, <laughs> long in the tooth, but yeah. he's just still kicking butt. Yep. And his game, I think that he is the most efficient version of himself. He's not trying to do anything crazy out there. And he knows how to execute the game plan he needs. Short punches, work behind them, use the grappling. Did that against Blahovich. Did that against Tiago Santos. Did that to Anthony Smith. Took some damage in several of those. Came back to win it. You have to give him the advantage in this fight for the simple fact that I feel like his defense is going to be there. And then the grappling obviously is a big problem for Prohashka. But once again, we're talking about Jiri Prohashka. And before I close it out, I'm going to toss it to you. Yes, we are talking about Jiri. You know, his two fights in the UFC, Volkan, Volkan Ozdemir, that's impressive. But the way he just dismantled Dominic Reyes... And the finish with the elbow spinning back fist and the head popping off the canvas of, you know, Dominic Reyes. Pretty gruesome stuff. You know, you, you can see why he got that title shot. He has, like, extra special talent and the confidence is so high in there. Like, especially against Reyes. He's just jump bouncing around. His little hair ponytail, like, I don't, I'm not trying to be offensive. I just don't know what it's called. Uh, in the back is, is bouncing around. And he has power, he has velocity, he has creativity, and that's always an X factor. You don't always see that with fighters. And so this is a really beautiful matchup, right, with the Cinderella story of Glover Teixeira and this new guy. This guy's new to the UFC. He fights a little bit different than most people. He looks a little bit different than most people, most fighters. So it's a, it's a great matchup on paper, and it's going to be a great matchup on, in the cage. When I look at Glover, of course, the veteran savvy, the man came back from losing to John Jones, rebuilt himself, or you know, basically recentered himself, just bit down his mouthpiece, found ways to win using all the experience he's 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 built up over the years. And he still looks good, man. He's still strong. He has the the hurting bombs, you know, he's got the old man strength, not to be offensive, but but that is a lot. That's a big factor in a fight. And he just knows what he's looking at. He's seen it all before. Even someone like Jiri. And the ground game, of course. That's the big um, 
that's the additional X factor that that you know Glover brings to the table there. That's going to be what he should use the way he used it against Jan so so effortlessly. Um, find a way to get down. Don't be desperate about it, but find a way to get down to the ground and and do some work. Even if you don't get a submission, just start dropping ground and pound. Jerry's going to be bouncing around, landing fast shots, landing heavy shots, landing shots coming from different angles, you know, those uppercuts that he likes to throw. He tricks you with one hand and hits you with the other, you know, distracts you with one hand, hits you with the other. So Glover's going to have to stay focused, remember who he is, that he's this guy with all this experience. And, like, you just got the belt, you don't want to lose it, especially at, at his age. You know, at least get one more title defense in there. That's what I'd be thinking if I'm Glover. So um, I think Glover's going to be able to submit Jerry in, like, eh, round four, maybe. Maybe another rear naked choke, I'll say. That's that's my pick. What about you? I mean, I think the thing about this one is just very simply uh, the age of Jerry. I, I think just his... When I compare him, for example, to a guy like Jan Blahovic, mm-hmm. I think that Jiri's, I'll just say it, he's a little more wild and unpredictable. Yeah. I think that he's willing to go for some things, even though they wouldn't be, uh, tac- in terms of tactics, the best ones. But he's just going out there to create that violence, similar to Justin Gaethje, create the car wreck. I think that that's just the thing that Jiri brings that makes him different from just any of these other heavy hitters like Jan and Tiago that we've seen recently for, for Glover. So I think that that's really it. Yes, Glover, you know, hands up, chin down, throw the jab out there, look to wrestle him. You know Jiri's been drilling that nonstop. You know it's just, hey, work against the fence. Get to my feet. You can, And maybe this will be the biggest test of the level he's at. He cannot give up if he gets taken down. Briefly, a little bit. You just have to keep making Glover work. Because I think that if he kind of accepts the position, as they say on the commentary, that's really going to be where it just starts going downhill for Jiri. That's where you put yourself at a deficit. And now you really need something crazy to land. I think that for Jiri, you just got to go out there and you just got to really make him feel that explosiveness early. And then it's all about patience the rest of the way. I think that as long as he gets some early respect from Glover, then he could just pick his spots, maintain the distance, and just try to let his speed carry him through the fight. So Glover, if he gets on top of him and just handles it, all I'm going to say is y'all need to stop disrespecting that man. (laughs) That dude is just awesome. I just think it's Jiri's night. And I think Jiri, oh, it hurts me because it's so cool to see Glover get the shine after so long. You know what I mean? Uh, Jiri, second round, TKO for the win. Oh, yeah. Punch it. Call it. Look, that's definitely a a big possibility. And Jiri has nothing to lose. If If he defeats Glover, as you predict, Wow, two fights into his UFC career with, of course, the extensive fight career before that and rising. And how amazing and, you know, bring him on. I'm 29. Let's go. If he loses, and if if he loses, however that happens, it's going to still be a good fight. He's going to put on a good show for himself, uh, of himself. And there's still plenty of career left in the UFC, like plenty. So this is a win-win scenario for him. 
um, in that regard. And that's got to feel pretty good if you're Jerry. Um, yeah, that's totally possible. He's very strong, very fast, very, very um, unique. His style is very unique. So I hope Glover's got his... Uh... <laughs> Look, I'm still I'm still picking Glover, but yeah, it, it does make me a little nervous because it's it's right there, that possibility of, what you say, second round TKO? Yep. Yeah, that's right there. <laughs> <laughs> and next week we got heavy hidden featherweights, Calvin Cater, Josh Emmett. The only th- this show's gone long, so the last thing I'm going to say, anytime you have two bangers like that and you know they're scheduled, it's like, dude, just just run it. Just press play already. Let's get to it because, you know, it's just going to be good. 25 minutes, three minutes, it'll be a fun fight. So yeah. I'm ready. Anyway, guys, thank you for hanging on for the ride. We will be back next week. And until then, take care. Enjoy the fights. <laughs>